We now have over 150 episodes published on the Atari Hacker Podcast and have over 1 million downloads. That is over 312 years of Mark and I speaking to each other nonstop. So today, we're going to talk a little bit more. We're going to talk about everything we learned about podcasting with Atari Hacker and ask the question, is it worth it for you as an authority site builder to start a podcast? Let's get started. Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast, the place to learn field-tested, no BS tactics to growth hack your online business, and finally, live life on your own terms. Now, your host, Gael and Mark. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, I guess that is a funny one to do podcast on podcasting now because we're actually a little bit late on our schedule. So we're going to give you advice. We don't follow ourselves, but uh, <laughs> whatever. And Mark is here with me to give you advice. He doesn't follow either. So uh, welcome, Mark. This episode is all about podcast inception today. So anything goes. All right. So we're going to start about a few stats, actually. I think that's a good way to like, kind of like, contextualize like how big podcasting is because it's one of these things that like not that many people talk about, but it's, it's growing quite nicely. Uh, and I was checking some stats on podcastinsights.com, actually, so you can go check them out. And basically, 50% of all U.S. homes actually listen to podcasts regularly. 32% of all the U.S. population listen to a podcast in the last 30 days. And 22% of the U.S. population listens to podcasts weekly, which is a massive amount. I mean, some people still don't have the internet, I guess. What's interesting as well is like the quality of the audience. So like 56% male, that doesn't make them better. Please no me to hashtag or anything. But 45% of the listeners have a household income value of over $75,000 per year as opposed to 35% of the overall population in the US. So overall podcast listeners uh, have a higher net worth than the average population. And what was interesting for me uh, in terms of stats is like, I assume that most people were listening to podcasts in the cars, like uh, most cars have like podcasting system now, but actually 49% of all listens are made at home. So people just listen at home, but mostly on their phone. Well, only 22% of listens are done while driving. It's quite a lot still. And it's kind of like the main media you will consume while driving. So it's like, I guess that's why this kind of like idea of like listening to podcasts while driving is, is around. But actually, most people listen on their phone at home. And then the second one after that is while driving. So anything to say on the stats? No, I, I believe that. I mean, I listen to podcasts myself, usually when I'm making breakfast for some reason. That seems to be the podcasting time of day. But yeah, never really. I, I've just recently bought a, a car and never really kind of figured out how to work it. It's pretty complicated in terms of uh, <laughs> listening to podcasts on there. Seriously, it's like... That's the more I hear you say stuff like my mom or dad would say, you know, it's just I'm worried <laughs> for you. Yeah. I mean, uh, honestly, I, I I was quite surprised when when I got it in terms of like all the stuff it it does technically. It, it's good. I'm gonna need to read the instructions. I think. Okay, yeah, that's also what my mom that would say. And usually they never do it, so that's yeah. that's probably what's gonna happen. Sounds about right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so today in this episode, we're just gonna talk about kind of like our feedback on several aspects of creating, producing podcasts, what we got from it, what we could have done a lot better, including scheduling. And and kind of like our tips and tricks from what we've learned from doing all these episodes and all these things that uh, a lot of people have listened to. I mean, as I said, we have over a million downloads now, which for the amount of episodes we have is not bad. 
And I'm going to talk a little bit about Lens and a uh, number of episodes later, but basically we're idiots. We could get way more downloads if we were just making shorter episodes and uh, release them just more frequently. A competitor I'm thinking of is Neil Patel right now. So I think he has like 950 episodes. So they release one a day, but it's like it's a five-minute podcast. They're almost, I mean, they're getting close to a million downloads per month, actually. Obviously, it's Neil Patel. He's bigger than us. But still, it's, uh, it's quite interesting as a strategy. But look, we have like 45 minutes podcast-ish. So if we actually broke it down, we could literally do nine episodes of five minutes each time. And then provided the same amount of people listen, we'd actually get nine times more downloads, which means we'd be closing on 10 million downloads now. It's quite an interesting one. But once again, does the number of downloads count? I guess it depends how you're monetizing. If you're monetizing with ads, it counts. If you're monetizing with selling your own stuff, does it really count? Not really. I think uh, one of the reasons this podcast is quite well is because we're actually not following the traditional format. And when I read the reviews on iTunes, I can see that people do like that. So that was not in our notes. And we'll talk about how to do our notes in a second. The first thing we'll talk about is the fact that producing a podcast is actually fairly fast and easy. And it's quite nice in the sense that blogging really, really sucks a lot of your time, especially if you really want to produce high-quality stuff. You're going to spend hours and hours on, on blog posts like we do. I remember at the start of Authority Hacker, it was, it was like fun and interesting to spend the majority, at least for you, of your time working on that. But now, I mean, can you imagine writing all the blog posts and the blog for Authority Hacker all yourself? I mean... Aside from the fact that one person couldn't do it anymore, it's getting... I just don't have that much in my head as well, right? It's like, it's like I just don't have that many things to say. It's like a huge like output of energy to, to get it done and to get a, a post live and across the line. Um, the thing with podcasting is that you can kind of still connect with your audience and still regularly produce high-value content for them. Okay, it's in a different format, but th- this is a way that you can do that as your as your company grows and you bring in more and more people. If you didn't have your podcast and you were just f- doing a blog post every so often yourself, then I, I don't think it would be as effective. You, you wouldn't be able to touch people sort of every week as, as you can with, with a podcast, really. Yeah, it's just not the same level of connection as well. And, and I, I think there's an argument for like video being an even better way of connecting with people. But just the fact that people hear our voice it it really builds a much deeper level of connection than just reading words on a blog, which could be outsourced, which could be anything, et cetera. Fact is, it's like I went to that conference in Bali last year and there was like the welcome drinks on the first night. And and honestly, like um, there's a little bit more my face on the site on the Toy Hacker right now, but it, you know, at the time there was like, it was the old version of the site. There wasn't much of our face on, on the site. And so like... I would walk around and nobody would know who I am, et cetera. And I get in the, in the lift to go to that, you know, sky, that rooftop bar. That was really nice, actually. And uh, literally, I just, like, introduced myself. And as people hear my voice, they actually recognize, like, they, they would, some people realize who I am. But otherwise, like, if I just had a written blog post or anything, it, it wouldn't have that level of connection, even if I had my photo at the bottom or anything. Like, just the way I speak gives away so much of my personality that you don't get through writing, especially because it's more edited as well, that it builds that deeper connection to the regular listeners. I think the key for, for this point is that the time to build that connection, the time to produce the content is very low. For us producing these episodes that you hear, I mean, our episodes tend to be longer than the average podcast. 
usually like 45 minutes, an hour or so, though we were trying to cut, kind of cut that down a bit. We was, always try to remember It was, Richard, it right? was creeping <laughs> over to like an hour and 15 minutes consistently for a bit. And it was it's getting a bit, bit too long, to be honest. But the time that we invest each in producing that is about an hour of planning, an hour to produce or record it, uh, and then an hour to to publish. And that last part can can be outsourced as well. That's assuming you're not doing heavy editing and stuff as well. Our, the way Gail and I speak, and we'll get into this in another point, is not ideal. So we do need to be ed- uh, get quite a few bits edited here and there. So it sounds smoother and there's less pause words and stuff. But yeah, in terms Mostly of... Mostly when Mark blanks out completely, you know? Yeah. Every second, every second episode, I'll just like lose my train of thought and then I'll just go, oh, I forgot what I was talking about. And then there'll be like a minute pause as I remember it and then we'll get back into it. So stitching those things together are, um, you know, just something. Exactly. That's what I was saying. <laughs> yeah, it's not that hard. But uh, yeah, so it is fast to create content. So if you're a CEO, if you're a busy company, if you have a service, if you have anything like that, if you just focus on other parts of your business, it's a great way to still create content without outsourcing it. And I, I'll say, like, to a degree, when you outsource content creation, you give away a little bit of your personality, your voice, and, and what has made you. Uh, podcasting allows you to not give this up while still not taking a lot of time to create content. And it's a massive... I would argue that it's actually the fastest way of creating content altogether because even video requires way more work. You could argue that things like Instagram stories, for example, would be a good competitor to podcasting because it's really fast. You just take your phone, you just press the button and you like do the story. So I guess that's kind of like the one media that I would say competes, but otherwise in terms of creating content that's a little bit more polished, I would say this is the best bang for your buck in terms of time on value. Let's talk about the next point, which is because we need to to stick to 45 minutes maximum. The second point is that uh, it's not very expensive to get going, actually. Sure, you can spend a, a ton of money on these things. I mean, you can buy like $700 or $800 podcasting microphones with like gold finish, whatever. But you don't need to do that. Like uh, the one thing is like you had the Blue Yeti, right? And I think you didn't have a good experience despite what everyone says. Yeah, so I had the Blue Yeti podcasting microphone, USB. So easy to set up, easy to connect, but it's just a terrible microphone. It's not good at all. It picks up all sorts of noises from the background, your computer fan. It was just horrible, really, like really, really bad. The only only time it's good is if you're in a room with multiple people and they can all use the same microphone in that in that case. So I and you can't afford two microphones, yeah. Gail, you also had issues. You had some XLR complicated setup. What was the deal with that? No, it's not. It's not an issue. It's just that it's more complicated. So if you basically, there's two ways to plug your microphone onto your computer. Either you go the easy way, so you pick an, a USB microphone. The quality is going to be like slightly lower, but we're talking like you know three to five percent lower. Like really, not a big deal. If you're not like Celine Dion or something, you won't feel the difference. <laughs> you know? Sorry, Celine, if you're listening to this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do not get a USB microphone, Celine Dion. If you're listening, that's my tip for today. The, the other way to do that is to do it through proper audio cables, which are called XLR, and they're like really big, rounded cables, but you cannot plug that into your microphone. So, And usually... Into your computer, you mean? Yeah, sorry. And usually you cannot uh, power the microphone with these cables as well. So you need to kind of like get an audio interface that will plug via USB to your computer. And then that audio interface actually powers up the microphone and 
kind of like transforms the sound to send the signal into your computer. But it just creates a lot of complexity, takes a lot of desk space. And for example, podcasting on the go becomes really complicated. So I actually don't recommend it. And for the sake of simplification, I started with that because I love complicated stuff. And then I realized that it wasn't worth it because I'm not selling deal. And so I just switched back to a road podcaster, which has been really good, to be honest. I, I just don't see myself changing anytime soon. I think it's like $120 for the microphone. And the arm, so we have a microphone arm as well that just allows us to like hold the microphone in front of our mouth that you just screw to your desk and it costs $64, I think. So it's, you know, overall you're talking a $200 setup and this is a USB plug. It's really easy to use and you get the audio quality you can hear here. And honestly, we could do more audio processing if we wanted to have like more of a radio voice or something. We just went with the more natural tone, but you could do that as well. The final alternative for microphones is gaming headsets. Many high-quality gaming headsets now have two or three built-in microphones with like noise cancelling, etc. And the sound's not going to be as good as a proper microphone, but it's going to be also like 80-90% there. And I'm telling you, it's much better than what many podcasts use, especially when they're doing interviews and the, the guest has like a horrible Apple thing or whatever. If you go back and listen to probably the first 30 or so episodes of uh, the Authority Hacker podcast, I recorded all of those, the ones that I were on at least, with uh, uh, Sennheiser, his like PC350E headset, gaming headset or something, just a headset. It's about five years old now. It did the job. It wasn't great. A few people did say, you know, get a better mic, that kind of thing. I did eventually. But if you want to get started and you don't want to spend 250 bucks, then just use your, your gaming headset if you have one. Talking about that, we can talk about the acoustics as well. Because so pretty much like 99% of the reviews we have on iTunes are like five-star reviews, which thank you to everyone that dropped a review. If you want to drop one more, you know, I won't mind. But one of the three styles review we have, I think there's, there's like one in there that's like, oh, I love the podcast, but Gail needs to soundproof his room because it sounds like a fucking church. Uh, and, and so so let's talk about acoustics in your room as well, which in my room currently, they're not so great. But actually, because my microphone is omnidirectional, it doesn't pick up the echo too much. But like, how do you recommend people do that? Okay, so first things first. Carpets and curtains will absorb sound, the, the reverb of the sound, which is like it, when it hits the wall and comes back, it creates this sort of like echoey effect and you hear the same sound over like a few milliseconds and that's what sounds kind of shit. So carpets will stop that, curtains will stop that, any kind of fabrics, if you put like a, a big rug down, that helps. If you have other furniture like sofas or chairs or beds, these things in the room where you're recording, that, that helps as well. You want to avoid sharp corners as much as possible. So even something like putting a, a fake plant, plant pot, or uh, another piece of furniture or something in there can can help a lot. In Budapest, when I lived there, most places had hardwood floors and like big, like high ceilings, lots of like corners. So it was pretty terrible, to be honest. In most most places there, in the UK, it's a bit different. Everyone has carpets and curtains and lots of stuff because it's really cold here most of the time. What I'd say is like, don't go hardcore and buying like thousand dollar acoustic foam treatment and all that. It really doesn't take very much to to make it work. Even you know, buying a few, buying eight panels, these square panels off Amazon for like twenty bucks or something. Put them, you know, a couple behind and a couple at the side of your of your mic, like against the wall. Or I've seen people even create like little mini booths with like 
big bits of cardboard and stuff. There's all sorts of tutorials for how you can do this kind of stuff on YouTube. But you can buy booths on Amazon as well. They pre, there's pre-made booths that like kind of like circle around you. It's quite big, but it works really well. It just like makes a mini room in your room and reduce the echo mass. The, the point is just do it a little bit and it, it will make a huge difference. Uh, it doesn't have to be, you it's never going to be perfect, but just, just attempt to do it and uh, you'll notice it immediately. Yeah. Let's talk about recording as well. So most people record on Skype, which is a bad Terrible idea. Terrible idea. The reason why is because basically one person records. And so let's say like the connection can you know slow down, drop off, or just lose packets. And as a result, you get that kind of like crazy Daft Punk voice when you're talking or when you're hearing. And because one person is recording on one end, if the person that's on the other end is talking, you you get distortion of their voice and it reduces the quality of sound way more than like a bad microphone. It, it doesn't even matter if there's no like data loss or everything is working perfectly. The audio that you hear will not be as good as the audio that someone else is recording at source because Skype will compress it as it's uh, as it's sending the data across. Yeah, so what we recommend is a tool called Zencaster, Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R. Com. They have a free plan. You can do up to two hours of recording for free per month. And what it does is it basically records the audio at the source. So right now when we're talking, the audio is being recorded on my computer uncompressed. And then on Mark's end, it's being recorded uncompressed as well. And when we will click end for the recording, it's going to send these files to the cloud and then we can both download them both sides and then put them together when we edit, meaning we get the original quality of the audio regardless of what the internet happens to do in between us without compression as well. And because there is two hours for free of it, I think it's like $12 a month something for the first plan. So it's cheap enough to do that. Like instead of like buying a very expensive microphone, do that instead and you'll get better audio quality. It also makes it much easier for editing because you're recording each person on different files. So if you need to change someone's volume to make them quieter, for example, you can do that just for one person and it makes makes those little tweaks much, much easier to perform. Yeah, the editing is really not, not that crazy and it's something you can easily outsource on Upwork as well. So actually we talk about outsourcing previous episodes, so listen to that if you want to hear about outsourcing. Let's talk about uh, consistency. I'll let you do that one because I just can't do it with a straight face when we're recording this late. Being consistent is really, really important with with podcasting. There's two angles to this, two sides to this. The first is from your own perspective in terms of getting the work done, like publishing weekly, monthly, or even daily if you're so inclined and possibly a little bit crazy. It's really important to have a you know day set out when you're going to be publishing, a day set out when you're going to be recording, so you actually get it done. Because you know life gets in the way, other things happen, you get lazy, and uh, you know you'll, you'll you'll miss it. That's kind of from your perspective. From your audience's perspective as well, they probably have a, a weekly schedule that they adhere to. You know, maybe Mondays they're the day when they you know have such and such a chore to do and that's when they're listening to the podcast or you know they have to take the kids somewhere on tuesday and that's that's when they listen to it in their car something like that so you want to have consistency in your your output so that your followers can consistently experience you and experience your what you have to say and that kind of thing i don't know exactly where the sort of data behind this comes from but i've read this many 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 times that audiences love consistency with podcasts is also apparently really good for certain 
algorithms on iTunes and, and other services that you can use to, to publish your podcast because I don't know why, but they, they like to see consistency. It somehow helps you in their, their ratings. It's told me something about this when we first started our, our podcast. You get bumped in the, in the like what's new, what's hot rankings, etc. on iTunes based on your number of downloads in the last 24 hours. So it's, it's not really the consistency that pays off, but rather frequent releases, you know? that really bump you up. Like they just count how many downloads you get in the last 24 hours and that kind of like, this is your ranking. That's how advanced these algorithms are in podcasting platforms. It's kind of a joke. So it's, it's but it still is quite important. I mean, imagine if they're like, uh, if you arrive to the finale of Game of Thrones and they're like, oh, sorry guys, we're not ready. I was sending three yeah. days or something. Like you'd be pissed I mean, massively. off. I mean, you'd be and, pissed uh, off either way because it was terrible, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to lose so many subscribers. <laughs> so the the other thing though uh, around consistency is is sort of burnout that you put this in what do you mean by that specifically i mean it's just like it's easy to be ambitious at the beginning so like oh i'm gonna do a daily podcast or something because it's true it's the fastest way to grow if you manage to put out a high quality podcast every day it's the fastest way to grow i, I put podcasting in social media for me, like podcasting platforms are just like another social platform. And social media is all about, it's a shouting content. It's whoever shouts the loudest will get the most visibility. And, and so if you can literally just be here all the time with fresh content, you will grow fast. And that's how you get into the like new trending podcast stuff, etc. which is why when we launched this podcast, we actually had a podcast every day. But you kind of want to time these things because... It's very easy to get burned out. Anyone that is creating content ongoingly gets burnt out, even Johnny Dumas. <laughs> Johnny Dumas is the guy behind entrepreneurfire.com, if you don't know him. I think he has like 3,000 episodes or something. And he started, you know, like uh, before us. I think he started like two years before us, but not a ton. And he has 3,000 episodes. He's been, he released like an episode every day with an interview for like three or four years. And now he already scaled down to one a week or something because he just couldn't handle it anymore. And to be honest, I'm pretty sure he ran out of entrepreneurs <laughs> at this point. And like someone like Casey Neistat as well on YouTube, uh, it's not podcasting, it's YouTube, but same thing, daily vlog for a while, but then couldn't handle it and then burnt out. And same thing with Twitch streamers, with everything. So it's very easy to to like be ambitious at the beginning. And it's also something that you you will want to to, to do to start but you kind of want to time these things. So for us, for example, we did when we launched the podcast, we had one a day. We also do it before we have a launch, for example. So we often do these podcast series where we do one a day for, for a week or something. And the, the point is that it just kind of like warms up in people's feed. We get way more downloads. We get way more engagement. And we talk about like how important engagement is for podcasts. And that is important. But don't plan to do that forever. Just Just have this kind of like plans to do it once in a while at strategic times. So that's all I wanted to say about burnout. Yeah, the next thing we want to talk about is scheduling and how why that's just so important, especially if you if you are trying to be consistent with a daily or a weekly or even a monthly, you know, episode, you you need to plan when you're going to produce it, when you're going to record it, when you're going to publish it. These things need to be done. Don't do as we are doing right now. We're recording this on Monday, the 27th of May, 2019. And this is supposed to go out today. It's probably not. It'll go out, I think, tomorrow. <laughs> so don't do that. Yes. Instead, plan in advance. So the reason the Authority Hacker podcast was so inconsistent over the last so few years 
was basically because of this, we didn't plan. This year, 2019, we set a goal to release 50 episodes in the year. So up until just before our recent Shotgun Skyscraper product launch, we were really on top of it. We had everything planned in advance. Then that launch came around and everything just sort of went out the window. And we, we went back to the just-in-time method. We had a call today. We have the next six weeks or so planned now. And we're I think we should be kind of back on it back on it now but just take it from us that you you want to make time put the the time in your diary if you use a calendar whatever you need to do just just sort that out in advance and don't leave it to the last minute because things will happen and you will end up missing missing your deadlines and you'll stop being consistent that applies to a lot of things in life but yeah let's talk about planning the episodes as well because i think that's one of the things we do better like better than planning at least, better than planning which episodes we're going to do when. But like many people, they either have too few notes or too too many notes, right? So, so like a podcast is here to be a discussion, to be something that's a little bit lively. If you're reading a script, it doesn't work. I've seen like several people, even in this industry, doing like fully scripted podcasts. And sure, you can put a bit more density of information in the way you communicate because you essentially plant every word, but first of all, it takes forever. Like it's then the argument of like this is produced fast is just completely gone. And second of all, I just the lack of natural. Like I, I didn't plan my Celine Dion joke earlier. I would probably not. I, I would probably take it away. Uh, but you get it. So, but the other the other side of things is uh, people come with like you know three bullet points and they're like that's it. That's it. We're done. We're going to do a podcast and just swing it. And then the discussion goes left and right. And you kind of had a topic and you're completely off the topic after like 10 minutes and, and just goes nowhere, basically. We have mentioned it several times, but we use a tool called Dynalyst. Dynalyst is basically a mind mapping tool, but vertical. So it allows you to just do bullet points. It's really, really good. So I think for like for this episode, like I'm looking at the notes right now, we probably have like 75 bullet points, 80 bullet points, something like this. So it's quite a lot. And like, even though I'm talking right now, I'm mostly going through the bullet points. I'm sure Mark's rolling his eyes when I get off it, but I'm still able to have a natural discussion because it's not all scripted. So I highly, highly recommended that you do it that way. It's the best way to both stay natural and on topic, which is a hard balance to get. And I feel a lot of podcasts don't get it very well, especially when they just get started. Yeah, next one is that you don't talk as well as you think you do. A lot of people will use a lot of pause words when they talk. So in the middle of a sentence, when they're thinking of what the next thing they need to say is, they'll instead of just letting there be a silence, they will say, um... Uh, you know, like these kinds of words are called pause words. Gail and I are both pretty bad for this. And that basically means that either we could put the podcast out with all these pause words in it. And many people don't actually notice it or wouldn't notice it. But as soon as you tell someone about it, it becomes really, and they notice it all the time and it becomes really annoying. Yeah. And you, you, you see that. It adds like five minutes to a podcast. We have a, a podcast editor who will actually edit not all of them, but a lot of them out where it's possible to do that. So it sounds a little bit better for, for you guys. You can avoid having to do that, of course, if you understand the way you speak and use less pods words and practice doing that. Something which we've gotten, I think, a little bit better at it, but it's still obviously an issue for us. You know, it's an issue for the, when you do live speaking because people listen to the podcast and they expect you to speak as you're speaking on the podcast and, and you don't. 
and I'm pretty sure some people are like, what, what the hell's going on? Like, how can they like speak so naturally on the podcast and it just doesn't happen as well in real life, mostly because we just don't practice it as much. And yeah, I just did an um, for example. That is a good example. So yeah, it's, it's something that will happen, but it's going to build expectations as well for people who, who listen to you. But it's very convenient for people who listen to it and it's going to add this kind of like imperceptible degree of uh, professional you know, feeling yeah. to your podcast. Basically. The other thing as well is that you can make up words as well. You don't have to be like a grammar Nazi in a, in a podcast. You can, it can be a little bit more casual. So when Gail says words like ongoingly, and ongoingly. Stuff, I just, <laughs> I just <laughs> let, let that roll because everyone kind of knows what it means now. But <laughs> People will just start using it and it's going to become a thing, you know? Yeah. Moving on. So the next point is don't be a copycat, be yourself. I think in online marketing, especially with, with written content, it's very easy to look at good articles, good content other people have done and said, oh, I can do a better version of that or I can have a go at, at that. Let's target that keyword. And you can do your research, you can break it down, you can kind of approach the, the topic in, in a similar way and produce a similar piece of content. I think in written content, that's achievable. Uh, and it's also achievable to an extent in, in audio and in video content. But because it's a bit more off the cuff, a bit more natural in the way you're speaking and communicating, you will lose a lot of the emphasis, a lot of the meaning, a lot of the kind of enthusiasm that another broadcaster, podcast author, whatever you call such a person that has a podcast will have in in, in, in doing that. So to that, I would say, like, don't try and mimic someone else's style. Don't try and mimic someone else's approach to podcasting. Don't try and be a copycat. Really, with podcasting, it's all about finding your own voice that you're comfortable kind of communicating with an imaginary group of people on the, the other side. I mean, obviously, the people are real, but when you're recording it, they're not there. So it, it can be very difficult when you're starting, and I think it took us a little while to get into the swing of things but now it feels kind of pretty natural to do it i would say so a, a few tips whenever someone says oh just be yourself in a podcast like well what does that actually mean i would say there are a few points here if you like or dislike something say it be super honest about your opinions and your thoughts even if it riles a few people up the wrong way from time to time which inevitably will will happen it's very important to convey a sense of sort of your interpretation of your niche or whatever it is you're, you're discussing, you're talking about than it is to kind of be super PC and that. So the way Gail and I talk in, you know, day-to-day -day life, we use a lot of bad words. Uh, so we thought, well, we better do that in the podcast. Otherwise it will seem a little bit weird if we're trying to like correct ourselves and keep a PG rating or something. So, you know, that's, that's one thing to consider. The other thing I would say is that your audience is there for you as much as it is for your guests. So it's not quite so bad for, for us because we have two people, Gail and myself. If it's just you doing a podcast on your own, you're probably likely to do the majority of episodes with guests. That's just a naturally kind of how it seems to seems to go. So don't be too sort of fixated on getting the right guest, getting the best guest, because of course that makes a difference. But at the end of the day, your audience is there to, to see you. So just, just remember that and try and sort of add what you add to the show 
rather than relying on the guests to sort of like carry it for you. That makes sense. And then finally, admit your mistakes. So when you're producing a podcast, it can be very easy to think that, oh, I need to paint myself as this awesome person in whatever niche you're doing. You know, I'm the best internet marketer ever or something. That's really not how it is in, in real life. I mean, everyone makes mistakes. Everyone has fuck ups. And being honest and communicating sort of, I want to say like with integrity is, is really important in terms of uh, getting people to trust you and getting people to believe all the other things which you're, you're, you're saying as well. So don't be afraid of make, admitting your mistakes, especially if, the, if your audience can learn something from them as well. It certainly happened. That's what I would say. Don't be a copycat. Be yourself. Yeah, I, it's easy to just want to copy something that works. And to be frank, we do a lot of that in SEO. It works pretty well. But it's a little different for podcasting because most of your downloads, they're actually coming from people who, who listen to previous episodes. It's kind of like a following. As I said, it's most like social media. Then it's like SEO. SEO just people Google random keywords and click through the site and just consume your content. Whereas podcasting, people are usually actively looking for you or they're coming through related podcast type stuff, et cetera. But we'll talk about growth and gaining followership a little bit after. And at the end, we'll close by, with a debate of should you do it or not. Let's talk about the tech as well, how to distribute that stuff, because we just talked about like the actual episodes. So that's kind of behind us now. Now let's talk about how the tech works. You really have two choices here. You can you Basically, podcasting is RSS feed powered, so it's a pretty old technology. You get a URL with your feed, and then you submit it to like iTunes, to submit it to Stitcher, you submit it to SoundCloud if you want, you submit it to Google Podcasts, you can submit it to Spotify and all these platforms that distribute podcasts that people listen from. And then any, like there's a lot of apps on phones as well, like PocketCast, et cetera, that just index podcasting RSS feeds, right? So to host your podcast, you can either take a pre-made podcasting platform, which there is more and more of them. So we use SoundCloud, which is pretty, it's, I mean, it's decent. They almost went bankrupt several times. We got a little bit scared a few times, but uh, it's working pretty well for us. The, the hosting is high quality. It's easy to use. The problem is the customization of the RSS feed for podcasting is not the best. It's like they kind of have this podcasting program that has been in beta forever, never really came out of beta. And you cannot completely customize like the description of your show, depending on if it's Google Podcast, iTunes, etc. It's not as customizable as it could be. I'll talk a little bit after about the solution that we have for that. Then there's two other ones that I can recommend you look into if you want to just get like a turnkey solution for hosting a podcast. So that would be buzzsprout.com and podbean.com. They're essentially a place where you can just register your podcast and they'll do everything for you, submit you to iTunes, submit you everywhere. And you just log on their platform to upload your new episodes. They will optimize everything, distribute it, even give you a player you can embed on your site. It's pretty good. If I had to start over today, I would probably just go on buzzsprout.com. They have a free plan. But realistically, you can't really use the free plan forever because they stop hosting your episodes after 90 days. But after that, it's like $12 a month. I think for SoundCloud, we pay 19 for unlimited downloads. So yeah, it's comparable enough so that I would go for Buzzsprout now. So the other solution is having the like managing the RSS feed yourself, not having a, a provider. Although to host the files, you can do stuff like put them on Amazon or put them on any cloud hosting or whatever. And then you can use a plugin. Usually the plugin that we recommend would be Blueberry PowerPress. You can just search for it. It's free on the WordPress repository. 
It allows you to just all do all this customization of your SS feed and so on. And then you will just get an RSS feed URL and you can submit it to the big podcasting thing. So what we actually do is we host the files on SoundCloud, but we actually take the URLs of the files and we put them into our own RSS feed on authorityhacker.com through that plugin so that we can get the full customization of the RSS feed. And what's interesting as well is if we change podcast hosting platform, we can. We don't actually have to change the whole platform because we actually own the RSS feed. Whereas if you have it on, say, Buzzsprout, you want to move out of it. It's complicated because they literally host the feed. So if they cut the feed, you lose the subscribers, you lose all that stuff, etc. Each podcasting platform has transfer mechanisms. If you're changing your RSS feed URL, but they're not all straightforward, and they're usually podcasting platforms are quite messy and and difficult to deal with. It's a lot less evolved than stuff like SEO. So I personally like being in control of our RSS feed. That's why I like this plugin. And then I like having SoundCloud as well. It's doing pretty well. It's good value. It's like unlimited everything for $19 a month. So that's what we use. Buzzsprout is also a good option. Up to you, whichever you want to use. If you really want change service, Buzzsprout would do a good job. If you want to keep that degree of control, then do the Blueberry Power Pressing. Let's talk about gaining followership as well on your podcast. And and to be honest, so it's going to be another case of like, do what we say, not what we do, because we're not the best at it. Uh, mostly because, honestly, we don't, we don't like doing some of these mechanisms. And you understand when I talk about this, because really the principle of this podcast is to actually not break the mold, you know, do something different. But the first thing is doing interviews. So like the trick is interview someone with a decent level of followership have them share your podcast, absorb some of their audience as they're promoting the podcast, and or you can absorb, you can interview people with small followership, but who will do a large effort in promoting the podcast because it's a huge honor for them to be on your podcast. So let's say we could go to like a tiny SEO blogger and like interview them, and what they do is they maybe email the podcast episode to their email is just be like, oh my god, look, I'm on the Atari Hacker podcast. Whereas like if we interview Tim Ferriss, I don't think he's going to email his list, you know? He's going to be like, you're, you're welcome. <laughs> so that's kind of a difference. But in, in basically having guests on your podcast, you get them to promote it and you absorb some of their followership to subscribe to your podcast. And then next time you release a podcast, they listen to the next episode. And that is one of the first most basic mechanics of growth for a podcast. Johnny Dumas from Entrepreneur Fire, a really good example of that, did thousands of interviews and now he's actually the most downloaded business podcast on iTunes ever created. So that shows you that this principle works pretty well if you just milk it. The reverse of that is to get invited on other podcasts. So usually you can do a trade. So you invite another podcaster and then they get some of your audio of your audience to follow them. And then you invite this other podcaster invites you and you get some of their audience to follow you. And through that trade, you just get more downloads created in the end. That's how it works. It's kind of reverse. And the last one, which I really don't see a lot of people do because most podcasters have terrible websites, is using your organic traffic. So probably if you're listening to this site, you're doing good at SEO. And if you're doing good at SEO and you want to create a podcast, it's actually, you have a really, really unfair advantage here. All you have to do is pick your top top ranking pages, the pages with the most traffic, and create podcast episodes on the same topic. And then you just need to embed them on these pages. And what you can do is you don't even have to make a, an episode about the whole topic of the post. You can literally make episodes about subsections of the post and embed several on the page. What that does is, first of all, it increases your time on page. So it's good for your SEO. 
Second of all, people will actually essentially listen to the podcast because it's relevant to what they just Googled. And some of them will subscribe and you kind of get like a stream of followers. It's not going to be a lot. It's not like you're going to spike like if you get Tim Ferriss on your podcast. But if your page ranks for a long time on Google, like say an informational keyword, you will trickle hundreds and hundreds of subscribers over time. And eventually you, it will snowball to like a lot of people. And so that is a really powerful way to do that. And I know for a fact, because that's a tactic I gave to Kevin Espiritu when he started his podcast. And it just like, he did this for YouTube and he did this for his podcast. He has skyrocketed both because he gets good organic traffic. So it's his number one way of growing new media channels is to actually just use them based on his best organic traffic pages. So that works really well for him. Uh, his site is epicgardening.com. I did an interview with him as well. So you can check that out in the feed if you haven't checked that out. And that's mostly because mostly when we, if we did interviews, most people that we, that would do interviews in this industry, not everyone, but a lot of people would just try to sell products we don't necessarily stand behind. And that's why we don't do as many. We do more this year, but yeah, we're not doing the giant circle jerk of interviews, which works really well for growing a podcast. Now let's talk about click-through rate. Uh, or CTAs rather, getting people to actually click on a link or take action from your podcast, which uh, is a really, really messy thing with podcasts. The only place where you can put clickable links is in the description of an episode on iTunes and absolutely nobody clicks on them. So it's basically useless. So the only way to send traffic from a podcast is to actually make a very short and easy to remember URL and just say it out loud, like spell it like I always do when I give URLs. It's not the best, but if you have high engagement with your podcast, it's going to work. Talking about messiness, another thing that we've learned is really messy with podcasts is statistics. So because there's all, many, all these platforms distributing podcasts, right? There is iTunes, there is Spotify, there is Google Podcasts, there is like Stitcher, there's like so many of them, right? And each of them has an analytics platform that gives you different metrics and you kind of need to add them up if you want to do that. However, there is one thing that I can recommend. It's called podtrack.com. It's free. It basically allows you to create a redirect for your files, for your podcast, for your podcast episodes. And what it does is it just aggregates all of that and just tracks like which country was it downloaded from, uh, which kind of device, basically all the metadata you can get just from a redirect. It gives you like a dashboard with all of that. If you use a platform like Buzzsprout, for example, you can also get a decent level of analytics. It's kind of one of the perks of these kind of platforms. So that's basically it. Now I want to, that is all the tips. Now what I want to do is I want to talk about if we had to start over, what would we do differently and would we do it in the first place? And let's say on another level of size, do we think it would be a good idea? So what do you think? Uh, this is a tough one. I would honestly say that, no, I wouldn't start a podcast if we were doing it again. I think it's much better to focus on doing one thing really, really well. So if you want to be a podcaster, if you want to be the next John Lee, Lee Dumas entrepreneur on fire and be that's what you're known for, then go for it. But like go hardcore into that and just do that really, really well. I think our mistake was we tried to do blog content, and we tried to do podcasting at the same time. And we ended up not doing either of them as well as we could have. I don't think we've done a bad job of either of them, don't get me wrong. But I, I think we could have done a better job overall had we had we focused. And then as we maybe developed each channel a little bit more initially, then branch out and do it, do it then. So that's maybe how I would approach it if we were to roll back the clock. We are not stopping the podcast. We are continuing. So don't worry about that. 
Okay, for me, for me, the big dilemma is uh, podcasting versus YouTube. Actually, for me, it's, that, it's like podcasts on its own is great, right? It's like, but like that's it's kind of I don't want to make more enemies. But I guess you say I should speak my mind. But it's kind of like when we did a review of SEM Rush and we didn't like it as much, we didn't really like it as much as a tool like SEM as Ahrefs or something. And people are like, oh, but SEM Rush is great. Look, you can find keywords, you can do all this stuff. I'm like, sure, it's better than nothing. But like for the same amount of effort and all money in this case, like I'd rather pick this other tool, Ahrefs. And it's kind of the same dilemma with podcast. Uh, we talked about growth just now, and and growth on podcast is messy. So are analytics. And I, to be honest, I just don't think anyone has the proper numbers for podcasts, which is kind of hilarious. And then you look at something like YouTube, which is like a much cleaner search engine with much better data, and with a, which is a mix between this, this following model from social media and search model, both from search from Google and from YouTube, which is the second biggest search engine in the world at this point. Uh, it is more effort, though. So the big question is, is it, I think YouTube is better objectively there is still more people consuming youtube videos than podcasts and there is just like more gross potential even though i one thing that i think the podcast has over youtube is the quality of the audience i think people who listen to podcasts are probably have a higher net worth and higher spend ability than people who watch youtube mostly because podcast has been such a big apple thing for a long time and as a result People who buy iPhones to just have more money, spend more money, et cetera, et cetera. When you do Facebook ads, you know people with iPhones, they're the people you want to target. There's two things. One, you said we should have done one thing properly. I kind of agree. Uh, I think we should be getting more getting traffic on Atari Hacker, for example. And, and if we had spent that time on that, I don't think our business would be much behind of what it is, would be without the podcast at least. But if we did want to spend time on another media, I think YouTube would have been a better idea, but would have taken more effort, both because there is more competition and because producing videos is a lot more work than producing a podcast. For that matter, I could be in underwear now. You wouldn't know. I am not, but we don't need to know that. <laughs> we don't need to know that. So... Would I start again? Uh, maybe. And now the question that you can transition from that is like, for Toy Hacker, sure, like that makes sense. Now for other sites, like for our other sites, would you start a podcast? And my opinion is if you're only an affiliate marketer, meh, I'm not really for it. Mostly because the main way you make your money is people just finding you through Google or something and then clicking on an affiliate link and never coming back to your site and you've made money from them. And so building that engagement just doesn't really help that much and podcasts don't drive that much links or anything maybe you get higher time on page but seriously embed a youtube video from someone else you get higher time on page too you know if you want to sell products however if you want to sell products and you're kind of like stretched on time you're struggling with time you want a way to connect with your audience that is not going to like take days then i think podcasting is a good opportunity in that case if you are selling products and you have a lot of time I would say YouTube might be a better opportunity, YouTube and videos in general. If you can do both, great. But if you only have to pick one, do that. If you have a lot of time, pick YouTube if you're selling products. If you don't have a lot of time and you're selling products, pick podcasting. And if you're an affiliate, pick none of them. Just do your SEO properly. So that is my opinion, personally. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. I mean, none of these are bad options. It just really comes down to how much time you have available to put into it and what the... And what the end goal is as well, right? 
Like, can you imagine like an Amazon affiliate starting a podcast? Like, you might as well just work on your SEO. It just you'll make more money, right? So, it was like I think for some people who listen to this episode, it's quite important. I think with the amount of experience we've had, I think it was quite important that we share all this experience and all these tips and tricks and so on. But I think it's also important to be very clear that not everyone should have a podcast. It's not the next big thing that you will have to do to be successful online or anything like that. It's kind of reserved to a small audience that will do very well with it for the people that match that criteria. For the others, I think YouTube and just SEO are bigger opportunities. And we kind of keep this thing going because honestly, we have at this point, the Atari Hacker podcast has a pretty good followership. And in the business model of Atari Hacker, where we essentially sell courses once in a while, I think podcasts do a really good job at building that relationship and taking people from, oh, that's kind of a cool site to shut up and take my money. And I think if you need this in your business, if you need to transition like lukewarm people to like really warm buyers, Podcast is great. And in a business model of a toy hacker, it kind of makes sense. And that's also why we keep it going. I'm not like, we talk about marketing here. I'm not going to like cotton candy it. There's also the fact that podcasting is still a fast growing platform, not as fast as YouTube, but still fast growing. I might pay dividends to get started now, provided your business model makes sense for it. But it's only for certain cases and certain types of business. And if you can do both, it's even better. So I guess that's it for this episode. So any final words of wisdom, Mark? No, not really. I mean, I think we covered it, covered everything. If it's something that you're interested in and your niche suits it, you know, it wouldn't work quite so well. In uh, I'm just thinking like our friend Josh, who's in the photography space, It'd be hard to do a, a podcast about that. It's a very visual topic. But if it's something you're interested in, podcasting, it's actually quite a lot of fun when you when you get into it. There, it, there are some challenges and some frustrations from time to time, as there is with anything in business. But it, it can be quite enjoyable and ultimately rewarding to 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 connect with your audience in, in that way. So I would argue as well, maybe there's another case where podcasting makes sense, actually. Let's say you're like a really high DR affiliate site and you want to build these like really high DR links that will really move the needle. Then I think the podcasting, the podcast can literally be like a bargaining chip to like build these relationships with people that will like link to you and, and move you forward and build these like deeper business relationships having these kind of assets, any kind of social asset really is a bargaining chip that you can use for people to like link to you eventually or build like, you know, sell sponsorship, do that kind of stuff. So in terms of diversifying or and if you're really high level, it can be a good idea to go towards podcasting as well. But that's basically it. So I guess we're going to close it on this episode because of course we didn't make the 45 minutes mark. Thank you for listening guys and we'll see you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Authority Hacker Podcast. If you enjoyed this show, don't forget to rate us on iTunes and send us a screenshot on authorityhacker.com slash bonus to claim your free premium Authority Hacker training.